Faith to Action is thrilled to feature some of our dearest partners on the podcast to talk about foster care. Tara and Jorge Garcia are the founders of Identity Mission, a nonprofit in Honduras that provides family care for children. Can you tell us a little bit about how Identity Mission started and your work in foster care? We actually began our work in Honduras in about 2010, and we totally were focused on just assisting orphanages for about eight years. And in that work, we just saw so many needs and just continually met new orphanages. It almost just felt like this emergency meeting this need and that need and just very overwhelming. We enjoyed our work, but again, it was just expensive and we just felt like we were running around in circles and putting band-aids on. And after about eight years, we had started working in a public orphanage and it was just tragic conditions. Several babies to a bed, special needs children covered in their own feces and flies. And we just jumped right in, did everything that we could, hired a staff to just be there 24-7 trying to feed babies and things like that. But in that situation, and in that work was when very organically we believe God just brought us to foster care because that local orphanage allowed us to take very sick babies out of the orphanage and just to put them in families. And so initially it was just Christian Honduran families that we just knew personally from church and they just began to help us get these children back to health. And so very organically, and it took about two years of just working with this orphanage and getting children out of there and placed into family because of the emergency need health-wise for these children. And at the end of that two years, we just kind of looked at what we had going on and the realization struck that God had started a foster care program (laughs) with us. And so in that time, uh, about 2015, we decided to found our own organization called Identity Mission to focus on foster care. After working in eight years in orphanages and just seeing several different cases, having personal relationships with kids that had aged out. And then, of course, this public orphanage, we just really saw firsthand that children being cared for in families, especially Christian Honduran families, was just so wonderfully better. And just the care that they got, the support, how much easier it was for us to help each child just was phenomenal. Wow, I love it when you can see that God was doing something, even though it wasn't at all in your plans such a good example. Can you help us understand what this all looks like in Honduras? You know, what does foster care look like in this setting? It's a very real life situation. We sit in DNAF, which is our welfare office, or they'll call us and they'll have a certain child. And we know if we don't have a family ready in our region, a family prepared, recruited, trained, we know that child is is going to go to an orphanage. And so It's just a real life every day if we get that call and aren't able to say yes that, you know, it it hits home, especially as a mom, knowing the exact care that child will get that day depends on if we've been able to find and recruit and train a family. Can you share with our listeners now some key elements to a foster care program, what you've learned in your experience? We recently started a new new trend, I'm going to call it, of of making a big list of things that we're going to pray for. And we take about 30 minutes to pray for that. And we just choose one each and we go around the table. And But that's a big thing. You know, after that time of prayer, we feel like we can take on any problem that <laughs> that comes our way. And I really recommend that for your program. You know, because you can get overwhelmed. You can get caught up in all the administrative part of it and all the legal requirements and files and all this. But this is, you know, this is God mandated and we need to bring it to him when we're having trouble. Number one on our list needs to be that. Training. If you find a family, you need to train more than they need, more than they think they need, more than that you think they need. You know, once they get a child 
and they are prepared and they know that, that a situation is going to come and they're ready for it, they have a tool to react to it, it's so much easier than being surprised all the time with the different situations, different behaviors with the children. And um, another key element is having a healthy relationship with your local children's services office. They, they actually have asked Identity Mission to help them train in some areas. They realize they don't know much about this specific subject, so they ask our caseworker and ask her to organize the training for them to learn about that. This is so helpful. The importance of training and preparing foster families to care for these children, how important it is for those relationships to be good with the local children's offices and, and of course, prayer. I would say one of my other things that I love about being able to be a part of this model is the advocacy to permanency. And again, when we worked in the children's homes, we knew hundreds of kids and there was just no way to know what each case was about, what their next step to permanency might be, or if anybody was even able to advocate them because we were all just so busy making sure they were getting fed or, you know, and I'm, I'm talking very destitute orphanages that we worked with, but just that someone in the welfare office saying, hey, you know, what's our next step with this child to get them reintegrated or to adoption or, or whatnot. But just seeing now that our caseworker goes monthly to that welfare office and works alongside the welfare office and says, what's the next step? What can we do to help? That one-on-one -on -one attention per case has really been neat to be a part of and just to know that these children really can find permanency in our program. As you talk about responding to these calls, I'm wondering about the foster families that you work with. How do you recruit foster families? A key element for healthy foster care is to do all your efforts in partnership with your local church. And that's where we recruit all of our foster families. Jorge speaks with pastors and meets with them. We really want the pastors on board. It's we want it to not be just another program in the church or where they just allow Identity Mission to come give a talk about foster care. We want it to become a part of their church culture. We've seen that happen in the U.S. where adoption or foster care is actually, there's churches that it's just their culture and you find so many adoptive and foster families in that church and we really want to see that same movement take place here in Honduras and it really is just simply awareness. It does take a couple of visits and a couple conversations with the church. They allow Jorge to get up in front of the congregation and speak. They've usually never heard the word foster care. And so just to build that understanding and then within time, families get really excited about being a part of this ministry and this calling. And so the local church is where we recruit our families. Our caseworker visits weekly and is there for the family, gives therapy, plans if a child needs it. So all of that is intact as a part of our organization. But we really rely and, and want the local church to be a support for the family as well. And that's why we ask each of those churches to have a foster care coordinator. So a person in the church that's our contact, that is a support for the family. When a family receives a child, that coordinator sets up for them to receive food that first week or any other resources they may need that another family wants to provide. And then also be in charge of helping find respite care families within the church. And I mean, it can be anything like tutoring, uh, a free pediatrician, the sky's the limit. But we do ask our churches and partner with them to understand how they can rally around this family or families and really support them so that they can have success in caring for their foster children. I love how you encourage churches to gather around foster families. Can you share about a church that did that well? 
I do have a, a really neat story. We were really just loved what this church took the initiative to do. And so one of their new foster families received a, a little baby through our program. And week one, they threw this big baby shower. Um, this foster family has already had three children of their own, all boys. And they got a little girl. And so all the ladies of the church, of course, love that opportunity to buy some pink clothes um, and shower them with just the, all the gifts they needed. All their children were older. They had nothing baby items at home or anything. And so they really just blessed this family with all the equipment that they needed. And so it was just great. They did this little baby shower. And then a few months later, the little baby got whooping cough and had to be in the hospital a couple nights. And so the church, along with Identity Mission, actually paid for the medical cost. Everybody wrapped around this family and helped them through that little bit of time. And we got to hear the mom's testimony. And she just talked about how before she became a foster mom, Jesus stay at home mom. She was just almost pleading to the Lord of what is my ministry? What am I doing? You know, what are you calling me to do? I want to be more a part of your work. And when she heard about the foster care program through her church and got to meet our caseworker and began the training and stuff, she shared with our caseworker, she said, and, and she was just overwhelmed with emotion. She's like, this is what Jesus has provided for me to to minister, to take care of this sweet, vulnerable child, and to let my family be a part of it and to wrap around it. And her little boys just love this little girl. So it's just really, really neat to see a family and a church just get so excited about foster care to understand the depth of it, of caring for the vulnerable child as God called us to. Wow, such a good example. You know, your story and the progress you've made seemed really organic and natural, but I'm sure it wasn't always easy. What are some of the biggest challenges that you found in doing this work? We're living in a poor country, one of the poorest in the world, 90% poverty or more maybe. So people are kind of in survival mode instead of trying to look where to help or who to help. So people are not used to the idea of taking someone in their home, a baby or, or, a, or a child, and making themselves available to help. You know, they're most likely looking for someone to help them. And also, and, and I think the, the macho culture, you know, adds to the, one of those barriers. Like a man might not want to bring a, a child in their home that's not their blood. Another, another big thing is lack of information. You know, every time we talk to someone, we talk to a, a pastor trying to get their church involved in, in, the, in the program, they have no idea this is even an option or, or an opportunity instead of an option. We have to talk with them through the whole process, how everything is, and do it several times, several meetings for them to understand how it works, because they've never heard about it before. You know, even though we've been living in this country, I never heard about it before when, you know, when I found out about it, what, eight years ago, you know, it was all new to me. You know, now I, <laughs> now I know a lot about it, but it's hard talking to someone that has no idea that it exists, and you know when... You know, I, I heard this in CAFE last, oh, this, this May, you know, the, the curse of knowledge. Hard to talk to someone that has no idea about something when you know more about it. You, you to start to get in their shoes and explain it slowly and, and with detail. You want them to already know what you know, and, and it frustrates you how <laughs> oblivious they are to the problem. You know, and, and adding to the, to the culture part of it, you know, we're a very relaxed culture. You know, not everything is urgent, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure most developing or third world countries are like that. You know, we don't have that urge to do everything right away. A lot of people say if you 
if you can do this tomorrow, why are you rushing it today? <laughs> so the follow-up, you know, we, we share at a church and present the opportunity to foster and pass out a list. And a lot of people put their names and, and phone numbers on the list. But when you call again and want them to get you documents to start a process and everything, it's not as fast as you would like it to be. If you have a list of 10 people, you probably end up with one family that is actually committing and getting documents and getting training and, and making themselves ready to foster right away. I think that's a problem in so many other cultures, even here in the U.S., helping people understand the need and then getting them to take those next steps to do something about it is really, really hard. Do you have any tips for others on that? Yes, um, usually with, with pastors, when you show them the scriptures, when you show them a specific verse, they react to that, you know, because that's, that's their call. You know, they study the Bible all day. They have to get ready to preach to their congregation. So you show them Psalm 68, 6, you know, the God places the lonely in families. And then that's when it clicks for them. This work is not always easy. So... What kind of things keep you guys going? What drives you? What changes are you seeing? Sure, great question, and I have another great story. <laughs> so when we first founded Identity Mission in, in 2015, we did not have a stack of families on our desk, and now we wanted to you know, train them and do all of those things. So we really were at a loss for when we were getting all these phone calls. And so we decided that first year to partner with a local children's home that only had 18 kids all in one house because the culture here for Honduras as well with a lot of children's homes is when they receive a child their model their policy is this is our child we're going to raise them to be successful Christian adults there's such great heart in that but part of the issue with that is they just get stuck in that system and don't get the opportunity to get out this was the only children's home in our area that was open to that, to releasing the child after receiving the child and not having that mentality of, no, this child stays with me if I, if I receive it. And a lot of them have that stipulation with the welfare office. If you give me a child, they will stay in my program until they age out. And so we just were like, oh, we really don't want to lose children to the system while we're simply waiting on recruiting families and training families. And this orphanage allowed us to partner with them. And so within that year, put about four children in, in their home. And as soon as we got a foster family, we were able to get them out. One specific girl just really stuck in our minds because of that individualized care. They had great staff, but they did have rotating staff. So like three different ladies on different shifts. And so this little girl came in as a newborn, abandoned baby, and she was able to leave their home and enter our foster care system at about eight months. It was so shocking within two months. So she, when she came to the family, she wasn't doing any of the developmental things that she thought. Uh, we had actually taken her to a couple of hospital visits thinking something was wrong. She was delayed when she had been in the orphanage because she wasn't sitting up, wasn't crawling, things like that. And it just wasn't on our radar because there was so many staff, so much great staff to child ratio that it was something abnormal like or not normal we just thought oh something's going on something's wrong with her specifically as soon as she got in the foster family she began to sit up she began to crawl she hit all those within two months she caught up developmentally where she was supposed to be as an eight-month-old baby and so we'd heard the research we'd seen a, a lot in big institutional style orphanages we were floored we were shocked that she had not hit those milestones simply because she hadn't had the one-on-one -on -one same parent figures she had been a part of a big group and had rotating mother figures and 
probably just held way too much because there was older girls in the home. Just that dynamic of family we can't repeat in any other setting other than family. It, it's just so miraculous to see how God's turning hearts. I mean, he did it for us. We, you know, we came into foster care not knowing it was best practice, just knowing, oh, we've got to do something for these children in emergency or they're going to die. And obviously afterwards, God showed us, you know, we, we feel like, you know, it took us a good eight years and then two years of doing organic foster care for God to shake us enough to be like, hello, this is what you're supposed to be doing. I want kids and family. But it's just been really amazing to see across the country. We, we meet people regularly or we'll have a great conversation with some directors of children's homes that God has been stirring their hearts and saying, let's do a different model. Let's get even better at what we're doing. Let's find best practices. And so because of our work among the children's homes, we do thankfully feel like we have such a unique position to be a voice in a loving way to share the truth of why all of us should start some kind of transition into more family-based care. You both have been so insightful. And before we end our time together, I was wondering if you can share any practical advice for those who might be looking to start their own foster care ministry. Probably the thing that stands out to us the most is when considering starting a foster care program, just to remember to take it a step at a time. There's so much to learn. There's so many aspects that you'll need to have as a part of your program to really make sure you're screening your families well, you're training them well, and you're providing safe homes and supported homes for the foster children you will get. And so just take that all a step at a time and don't get overwhelmed and just know that by God's grace, you'll get it all together and he'll provide everything that you need to, to be able to implement this, this program. One thing I'd like to mention, very important, is that don't try to reinvent the wheel. There's so much stuff out there. There's other people doing it that you can learn from them. You don't have to come up with formats. You don't have to come up with your own trainings. You don't have to invent anything new. There's organizations doing it in excellence already. There's Casa Viva in Costa Rica. They're open to share with you all the resources and tools. You can learn from back to back. I mean, so many different good organizations doing it in excellence already that you can learn from. I would recommend reaching out to them and trying to get some training from them, trying to get some resources. Go to CAFO, meet people. I know it's expensive, but it's it's an awesome, awesome investment. You know, I, I don't regret doing it. One other thing is that you have to wait for the right staff. Don't rush into hiring someone because they have the right resume. Make sure they have the right the right heart for the for this work. It's not only it's not only a job, it's a calling from God. And when the, you're looking for these families, don't, don't don't try to convince families. These are families that God has already been touching their hearts. So you're not gonna change their minds into trying to do it. They have that seed in their hearts already. They just need to hear from someone that the opportunity is available. So remember that when you when you're sharing. We want to thank Jorge and Tara for sharing their wisdom and experience with all of our listeners. To find out more about foster care and other forms of family care, you can visit our website at www.faithtoaction.org. Thanks so much for listening.